and that music. I forgot I had a recording going on. So, back to um, the coverage of the ongoing election saga. Um, try not to get my blood pressure up too high. Te- Texas, Texagans, the Texans. Texagans is Bobby the Brain Heenan would say. Are being supported by 17 other states now in this election lawsuit. And this is all taking place so fast, uh, unless you like sit at home and stare at your TV all day, you're not going to, well, if you stare at the TV, you're not going to get anything. Uh, but unless you're online all day getting good news and information, you're not going to be able to keep up with this. Um, and the reason why I point out good news and good information is I came home last night. I flipped my laptop. Well, I always have it running like 24 hours. <coughs> Excuse me. When I'm out working, I turn on a uh, Christmas music or something on the laptop for my dog so there's sound in the house and it helps uh, somebody when I was a kid I had a big uh, not big miniature collie she wasn't very miniature but uh, she was like a lassie dog whatever and somebody told me if you leave music on or TV running it helps them stay calm because they they hear the sound and think there's somebody in the house. Uh, but I I turned off Haley's Christmas music and I googled um, how many states had joined Texas in their lawsuit. Uh, so there are 18 states now suing the four swing states, Texas and 17 others. Um, uh, it, it's a little murky. These other states have written letters or sent, uh, yeah, I'm like all over the place, uh, letters or sent a message of support to the Supreme Court for on behalf of the state of Texas. Uh, the president himself is uh, trying to join in this lawsuit. Now, Here's the thing. When you, I open up my laptop and I go to Google at, or Bing or, or whichever, I, I type in how many states have joined Texas in their lawsuit uh, or something like that. And like the top articles that I get are op-eds. They're disguised as news stories, but they have these really like... I, I, Catchy, I guess, if you will, because I disagree with them, I call them vicious headlines. And I'm like, this is how NBC is reporting the news. This is how CBS is reporting the news. Because these articles, I start to read them, 
I'm like, this is an op-ed. And I, you know, I didn't click the little button that says news or the tab that says news. I just did a regular search like a normal person would. Because that's how I am. I'm just a normal person with sand in their eyes and four or five o'clock in the morning making a video. And so we go in here and we see this and uh, there's a professor at the University of Texas. And it wasn't until I was prepping for this podcast and this video that I, I see the little letters at the top of the webpage that say, you know, opinion, uh, editorial. And I'm like, oh, that's why this, new, what I thought was a news article from NBC looks like an op-ed because it is. But the thing is, Google and Bing don't tell you this is op-ed. You look at, it says NBC News, NBC, CBS, and because they're major television networks, you think they are uh, presenting you with news. And I'm like, man, I'm going to make a video on just, man, how, I'm going to change the theme of this video to how the news is reporting in an editorial style instead of as news. You know, the news is 17 states have joined Texas in their lawsuit against uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania. Uh, and the president's trying to join also. That, that's not the way these articles are written. That's not how they're presented. And, and you know, I know the tech companies say, well, you know, there's an Al Gore, not Al Gore, the president guy, vice president, an algorithm. There's a technique, a formula, whatever. Um, for how these articles appear on your feed uh, after you've done your search, whatever. But let's uh, look at, first of all, if you're on uh, any of the podcast uh, platforms, this is Panic Attack with Big John. If you're on Rumble, this is Americana, the American way. Uh, you can follow me on Parlor at the real Big John, all one word. Spelled just like it sounds, John with an H. So the 17 states that are supporting Texas in this lawsuit go as Missouri, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, sometimes called Florida, Indiana, regular Kansas, Illinois, or no, pardon me, Louisiana, not Illinois. Those two words don't even look alike. How did I get Louisiana and Illinois confused? Uh, Mississippi, M-I-S-S-S-I-P, yeah, however that little rhyme goes. Uh, Montana, not the 49ers quarterback, but the state. Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, home to quite possibly the hottest toughest, best governor, and future first female president, South Dakota, the volunteer state of Tennessee, the Mormon state of Utah, where Mittens Romney lives, and West 
by God, Virginia, almost heaven, West Virginia. Uh, so, those are the states that are joining Pennsylvania. They're supporting Pennsylvania, however you want to uh, say it, look at it. Yesterday there was uh, some, I got a, another fake news hit on Facebook, uh, and I I can't find uh, proof that it's anything but fake news, so I want to kind of put this out there. Uh, I think it was John Schneider that from the Dukes of Hazard, Bo Duke. Was it Bo or Luke? Bo. The blonde one. He uh, put out that the Supreme Court had um, agreed to take up Texas's lawsuit, to listen to the lawsuit. Uh, and it was a six to three, two, three vote, six votes for three against. And it said, you know, even, you know, whatever the hell he is, Benedict Arnold, John Roberts voted to hear the case. Uh, Facebook's fact checker said that there is no such uh, case on the docket as of, you know, like two o'clock yesterday afternoon or wherever they fact checked me. And that uh, there had been no uh, formal vote by the Supreme Court to accept and hear the case. That only a case had been filed by Texas. Um, also at that point, I think it said that some of the other states, I, I, it was up to like seven states by then, reportedly. And I checked some news sources and there were news agencies reporting seven states but it said something like, you know, six or seven other states have not joined this lawsuit. So there could be a legal difference in uh, joining in on the lawsuit and sending support or uh, things of that nature to the Supreme Court, according to the Facebooky fact checkers. Whatever. I don't care. NPR is reporting Trump asked Supreme Court to let him join widely scorned Texas election lawsuit. The heading on this is law. So this is not under NPR's op-ed section. This article is by Nina Totenberg, T-O-T-E-N-B-E-R-G, Totenberg, Totenberg, 10 tiny tots on a train track, I don't know. Election experts scoffed this week when Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton announced he would be filing a lawsuit in the Supreme Court against four key states in an attempt to block presidential electors from finalizing Biden's election victory. But now President Trump and 17 states he carried are joining the effort. Officials in the states targeted in the lawsuit, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, derided in or derided as nothing more than an unfounded publicity stunt. The lawsuit may be a typically adept Trump move to get attention, but election law experts said he has little chance to get the Supreme Court 
to support his move. Now, this is like very opinionated um, because there has been legal precedent of, you know, the Supreme Court kicking things back to the state legislators, legislatures, and saying that they have the say in who the electors are that are sent to the Electoral College. And they certify the vote. Um, so, and you can Google that and look it up. But this um, this stuff is, you know, not without merit uh, if you read the lawsuit. Uh, just how little legal support is there for the lawsuit is evidenced by who signed the briefs asking the high court to intervene. Trump's brief was not signed by act was yeah was not signed by acting solicitor general Jeffrey Wall or other justice department officials rather the brief was signed by John Eastman a conservative professor at Champ University a Trump campaign statement said the president intervened in his personal capacity as a candidate for re-election well then in that case, if he's acting as a person, in if he's acting in personal capacity as a candidate for re-election, he obviously would not have somebody from the Justice Department sign this. He would have someone else sign it. Uh, and I don't know. I've heard the name John Easton, and I've heard of Champ Chapman, probably Chip. Pardon me, I said Champ earlier. Chapman University. Uh, I'm assuming he's some kind of expert. Um, the Texas brief not signed by State Solicitor General Kyle Hawkins. Paxton, who signed the brief, remains under indictment over securities fraud. Oops. Is also facing an FBI investigation on briberies and abuse of office allegations. So NPR, National Public Radio, your taxpayer-funded radio, is not presenting you news here. First they presented you opinion. Now they're mudslinging and yellow journalism in these people. Now, that's fine. It's a free country. You have the right to do that. But... National Public Radio, NPR. Our tax dollars are going to fund a smear article against the president and about a very serious historic legal lawsuit. Let's go to Matt uh, Brainerd. He is on the Lou Dobbs show on Fox Beeswax. Fox Business Channel. Matt is the CEO of Look Ahead America. In Georgia, he researched and found 20 to 21,000 illegal votes. Either people used illegal addresses like a post office box, people who lived out of state voted in Virginia and other states. These people 
these Georgia voters filed change of address forms, but they voted in the state of Georgia as well as another state. And that alone, they have he has found in his group, America, or Look Ahead America, have found enough evidence. They actually traced each of these people that filed a, a change of address, voted in Georgia and another state, which is two election fraud crimes. It, one in the state of Georgia and one in the other state. They'll never be prosecuted. But here's the key. That alone is enough to erode Biden's 10,000 vote lead. Remember, they found around 6,000 votes for Trump when they all they did was a machine recount. They, they dug up the ballots and ran them through the voting machines again. In three separate counties, they found like 2,000 ballots here, 2,000 something here, 2,000 something more there. Interesting. Well, let's listen to a little clip clip and clip here of uh, Mr. Brainerd and Lou Dobbs. Brainerd, he's the founder of the Voter Integrity Project and has produced some extraordinary uh, analysis of that data. Uh, Matt, great to have you back with us. I want to start with a fellow by the name of Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia. He's questioning not only your uh, your analysis and your conclusions, but your data. Uh, how do you respond to a man who's run such a screwball election uh, criticizing you and your methods? I'd actually like to hear him account for how our data is incorrect, showing approximately 21 to 22,000 illegally cast ballots in his state, far surpassing the number of votes in the margin of victory between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. We actually had, I'm working with state legislators in Georgia now, and they submitted my data to him almost a week ago. And I've yet to see any documentation explaining what the flaw is, because this is very clear where people are registered at illegal addresses. These are not addresses. Those are post office boxes. These are people who clearly have moved out of the state a long time ago to places like New York or Seattle, Washington or California, who cast ballots in Georgia, attempting to uh, basically shortcut around the Electoral College and nullify it. So I don't know what his reasoning is to dismiss it, but I have not heard any honest accounting to try to, to disqualify the, the submission we've given them. It's, it's very straightforward what we provided, and uh, I think it's really beyond reproach. But if he sees a problem with it, I haven't heard from him, and neither have my allies in the state legislature or the people I'm working with in the courtrooms now in Georgia uh, trying to bring greater scrutiny to this election. Well, this is the same fellow who said it's just a beautiful election, that people pulling uh, boxes of ballots out from under tables at the State Farm Arena were just doing what they do in Georgia. That was all entirely normal, even though it uh, uh, was uh, it uh, followed their telling Republicans to leave the room and shutting down the room uh, and leaving uh, themselves alone with those ballots, which was improper uh, and illegal, by the way. Uh, we're hearing the same nonsense from this uh, this Secretary of State, Raffensperger, is what well, we would call in Texas a beauty. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's astonishing what he the arrogance and the incompetence of the man. Uh, by the way, he didn't point out that a forensic audit into Dominion voting machines that showed no evidence of tampering was conducted by an outfit called Pro V and V, which has been overseeing the testing of Dominion machines 
<laughs> for, for three years. I, I mean, you can't make this stuff up in Georgia. About the time you yeah. think Pennsylvania is the worst, the worst, up comes Georgia or Michigan. I mean, any number of these battleground states have been, it's just unspeakably um, corrupt in the way they've managed many exactly. parts of their election. You know, what's remarkable to me is that in the court filing, I uh, filed a 500-page affidavit as part of the Trump campaign and the Amistad's uh, joint project's joint effort down in Georgia, a 500-page right. affidavit. The Democrats and those on the left put together and brought up an expert. They're paying $500 an hour to say that, oh, my numbers don't mean anything or there's problems with my methodology. His name is Stephen Ansel Bahari. What's funny is that he, this same expert witness has written peer-reviewed studies showing that my methods, uh, looking at national change of address to invalidate voters, is perfectly legitimate and very successful. He's also written peer-reviewed studies showing that dates of birth match and name match, full name match and address match, showing people have moved from one state to another, is accurate to 99.9% .9 of the time. So it's like they didn't even, they didn't care who they could get. They just got somebody to sign a sheet of paper saying, hey, don't pay any attention to what his findings are. Yet the same person in his own work has validated my methods. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, I would say, unbelievable. It's not entirely accurate, is it? Because... So, when you hear the Democrats and the mainstream media bashing either Voter Integrity Project or uh, Look, what was it called? Look Forward America or Look Ahead America and Matt Brainerd, their own expert in the past... The guy that they're currently paying previously said that this guy, this Matt Brainerd's methodologies are 99.9% effective. The Democrats brought in an expert to debunk Matt Brainerd's uh, court case. And the expert in the past has confirmed Matt Brainerd and his group's way of finding voter fraud <laughs> so like the, the democrats i told you guys in previous videos and, and podcasts they don't know how to campaign they just don't i've been fighting them for 22 years they're not good at this and so they hire an expert that has in the past confirmed the person they're fighting matt brainerd as having good methodologies for finding irregularities and illegal voting. So their own, the Democrats own expert contradicts the Democrats, but he did it in the past. So I guess that doesn't count now. I don't know. Um, this, I found this website. Cause I kept hearing that statistical anomalies have uh, been proof of this election being rigged or Joe Biden not winning. And I've got a an article here and a video soundbite. Basically, if I went around my house and I surveyed everyone which is one person 
Yesterday there were two of us living here and a dog. Now in some places the dog can vote, but not in my house. But if I polled everyone living in my house, it would be 100% for Trump. One person. If I went across the street and polled myself, my neighbors, is going to be, uh, what, like two or three votes for Biden, one for Trump. Uh, and if I go down, if I include my next door neighbor, it's going to be three votes for Trump. Trump, my vote, the three votes across the street. So the bigger the number gets, the smaller the gap gets usually. That did not happen in this election. There were a few ballot dumps that were, or vote dumps, however you want to say it, that went like 94% for Biden, 6% for Trump. So this is the, the website I, I found this on. And uh, it's called, uh, well, it looks like on Twitter, their, voter, their vote integrity. And on this website, it's called vote underscore pattern underscore analysis. The website is votepatternanalysis.substack.com slash p slash voting hyphen anomalies hyphen 2020. So again, I'll read that website off for you guys. Vote pattern analysis dot substack dot com slash p slash voting hyphen anomalies hyphen 2020. The name of their article or report, whatever you want to call it, is Anomalies in Vote Counts and Their Effects on the 2020 Election, a Quantitative Analysis of the Decision or the Decisive Vote Updates in Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia on and after election night. Now it's interesting to see that these big spikes in uh, vote vote counts happened within five hours of each other for one happened at night when we told we were told the voting has the counting has stopped and furthermore they were way disproportionate towards Biden okay and they just happened to have happened to happen in states that were uh, swing states but not just that. In very specific cities, Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta. Okay? So let's get into this report. Executive summary is the subsection here. In the early hours of November 4th, 2020, Democrat candidate Joe Biden received, received several major vote spikes, vote spikes in quotes that substantially and decisively improved his electoral position in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Much skepticism and uncertainty surrounds these vote spikes. Critics point to suspicious vote counting practices, extreme differences between the two major candidates, 
counts and the timing of the vote update, among other factors, to cast doubt on the legitimacy of these spikes. While data analysts analysis cannot on its own demonstrate fraud or systemic issues, it can point us to statistically anomalous cases that invite further scrutiny. One such case, our analysis finds that a few key vote updates in competitive states were unusually large in size and unusually high in Biden to Trump ratio. We demonstrate the results. The, wait a minute. We demonstrate the results differ enough from expected results to be cause for concern. So that's where I'm talking here. Uh, when you have you know a small sample, yeah, you can expect it to be you know 100 percent or 90 percent one way. But the bigger the sample gets, usually the smaller the gap gets. Um, with this report, we rely on publicly available data from the New York Times to identify and analyze statistical anomalies in key states. Looking at 8,954 individual vote updates, the differences in vote totals for each candidate between successive changes to the running of the vote totals. Uh, quality also refers to, referred to as dumps or batches. We discover a remarkably consistent mathematical property. There is a clear inverse relationship between the differences in candidates' vote counts and the ratio of votes. <clears throat> in other words, it's not surprising to see vote updates with large margins, and it's not surprising to see vote updates with very large ratios of support between the candidates, but it's surprising to see updates with where there are both. Sig significance of this property will be further explained Sorry, I've got a cold. Later, in later sections of this report, nearly every vote update across the state of all sizes and political leanings follow the statistical pattern. Very small number, however, especially aberrant of the seven vote updates which follow the pattern the least four individual vote updates, two in Michigan, one in Wisconsin, one in Georgia, were particularly anomalous and influential with respect to this property and all occurred within the same five-hour window. So, <coughs> in a very short span of time, what they're saying is very large Groups of ballots were counted in these three states and they were high in number and high in leaning towards Biden. They were like one place said, uh, I think it was, um, well, I don't know. Uh, it might've been Pennsylvania, but it was like, 
600,000 towards Biden and 3,000 some towards Trump. That's not a normal ratio for a, 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 a group of numbers that big. It would usually be, you know, maybe 60 to 40. And yes, there are going to be precincts where it's like 90 to 10, one candidate or the other, but that's like a precinct of a few thousand people. So how did they get all of the 90, 10 precincts into one ballot dump? Probably didn't happen that way. Probably some kind of shenanigans or fraud. Uh, here's a soundbite on something that's been going around and around and I keep hearing about. I want you guys to hear 2020 election and Benford's law time series analysis. Here we go. Maybe. Give the computer a little time to warm up and think. Why smoke on a stogie? Recently, there is an article on Zero Hedge analyzed uh, the million ballot data and uh, they provided a the raw data which is uh, uh, scrapped from uh, New York Times website. So they constructed a time series data. So I downloaded this data and uh, tried to analyze data using Benford's law. And here we go. And uh, let's first look at the raw data. The raw data looks like uh, something like this. From the timestamp, you can see that uh, it's fairly detailed. The time interval is usually uh, shorter than one hour. So it, it really depends on when the state report results. So they will provide an update. And uh, I extracted this data and uh, put together onto this worksheet. So let's start with Benford Law. Benford Law tells us for naturally, naturally occurring data series, naturally. the leading digit or the left digit follow this distribution, this probability. So number one, uh, occurring about 30%. So log 10, 1 plus 1 over 10, uh, one, over, 1 over the digit 1. So log 2, right? So 30%. So digit 2 serves as a leading digit. It's about 17.6% and etc. So the curve is this red line, red curve. That's our benchmark. And uh, our experiment is to see whether this uh, voting both reported violate this law or not. And the votes added for each interval I've extracted. And then I have extracted the left digit, left digit, so left one digit, okay? And then I counted the frequency for the whole US. And here we go. For the whole US, we can see that uh, this uh, black column chart fits quite well to Benford's law. 
So from here, we can tentatively conclude that uh, the U.S. voting record is pretty good. Uh, we don't observe widespread voting fraud here, at least based on the Benford's law analysis for the whole country. Then we can dig deeper into state level. So let's start from uh, maybe Florida. And we can see this green bar chart, Florida declines monotonously almost. So it fits quite well to the Benford law as well. Next, uh, let's look at uh, maybe Georgia. So Georgia, I think uh, just uh, one or two data points deviate, but uh, overall it fits well to the Benford's law. Now let's look at uh, Michigan. And uh, Michigan, it still fits uh, pretty well to the, to the curve. And there are some deviations. And uh, for these deviations, we need to look deeper into this uh, if you want to. And uh, let's look at uh, Nevada. Nevada, we see it's all over the places. Uh, the chart is all over the places. However, we can see the data point is really scarce because uh, there, there are just simply not enough data. So the total number of data points uh, is just uh, some of this, right? So we only have 38 observations for Nevada. So we really cannot jump onto the conclusion. So I wish they could release more data more frequently. But since we don't have enough data, and this chart, uh, although it violates the Benford's law, it calls for further analysis. And let's look at uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania reported more frequently. And we can see if it's fairly well to the, to the Benford's law. How about let's look at Wisconsin. So on the state level, uh, so they don't fit as well as the U.S. level, because U.S., uh, the entire data set, and said that we have more observations. So it's more likely that it conforms to the Benford's law. So I've made these uh, charts for different states, Arizona, Florida, Michigan, Georgia, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. Overall, I think the U.S. voting uh, conforms to the Benford's law. Well, the state, state level data uh, depends on the data quality. So further analysis is required to make meaningful conclusions. And thank you for watching this video. Okay, so overall in the United States, the Benford's law says, you know, like I was saying, when you start with a small group, yeah, the ratio is going to be high. As it gets lower, it's going to get closer. 
this uh, fellow is telling us we need to look further, though, at states like Nevada. That's one of the states the Trump team has questioned. Michigan. Uh, Pennsylvania, it's spread out its uh, ballot counting pretty evenly, but there were some spikes that went off of the uh, Benford's Law chart. Uh, and then this doesn't account for those anomalies where you had a, a whole bunch of votes counted in a short amount of time that were disproportionate uh, in one direct to one side over the other. So, yeah, this does need to be looked at. Uh, the Supreme Court, uh, I hope, takes up Texas's case, and I hope they kick it back to the state legislatures. Uh, and the state legislatures have the right to certify or not certify, and they can vote to send electors or not to send electors. Now, with Nancy Pelosi in charge, who knows what she'll do to violate the Constitution. Uh, Dan Crenshaw had a good video on her, uh, a good speech on the House floor, where he called her out for not passing stimulus, and she even said as much that she didn't pass this because there was an election and she wanted to uh, influence the election. And he called her out on that. The point being, if she's willing to play politics with the stimulus bill, where when businesses are closing, people are losing work, unemployment uh, benefits are running out. And I mean, the states are running out of money to give to people for unemployment. This all shows us that Nancy Pelosi will play politics with the Electoral College. So if the Georgia legislature sends one set of electors to Washington and the Secretary of State sends another set of electors, one for Trump, one for Biden, they're supposed to cancel each other out and those electors don't count in the total Electoral College. I'm not sure that Nancy Pelosi won't say, well, Joe Biden won the popular vote, supposedly 80 million votes. We're going to give George's electors to him because I'm Nancy Pelosi and I said so. Doesn't work that way, Nance. Uh, and every Republican in Congress, when January 6th comes and they Congress counts the electoral votes, needs to file, or pardon me, in their time that they get to speak on the House floor, needs to object to these electors if Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan send Joe Biden electors. Why? Because there was so much wrong with their vote counts, spikes in voting, disproportionate numbers of votes going towards Biden, software glitches, that flipped votes from Trump to Biden. Uh, it, it all needs to be cast into doubt. And this needs to go to a House delegation vote at this point, in my opinion. So thank you all for listening. God bless you. Have a great time out there. Have a wonderful life.
like the Christmas movie. <laughs>